0: Canada has welcomed the digital economy like few other countries, but we're still reliant on physical identity documents to access government services or complete high-value transactions. Interac is working to address this gap and make a secure, convenient, and private-enhancing digital ID ecosystem a reality for Canadians. Learn more at newsroom.interac.ca. We're at the Collision Conference. I think it's
1: the second Silicon Valley of, of the North.
2: Proud to be at Collision.
1: It's incredible just seeing, it's very uh, inspiring too, just seeing all the success stories. and.
3: What does 2020 at Collision look like?
1: Uh, the floor is still stuffed
4: full of people, the stages are uh, overflowing. The entire uh, Collision team for coming to Toronto, for choosing Toronto. Thanks to everybody
1: for coming, it's been uh, a pretty incredible uh, event so far, we're, we're at the Midway Point uh, and we're here in the fifth year uh, of Collision. So the opening night I thought was very special for us to have both the Mayor and the Prime Minister open the stage. We have attendees from just over 125 countries around the world uh, and also to have others from places like Tajikistan and Sudan, but also to have the best and the brightest from all over Canada here as well. Uh, we've, you know, and I'm sure you've met many of them. There are fantastic startups from uh, all over Canada and, of course, from Toronto. Mayor, over to you.
4: Well, Patty, thank you. I want to begin by just saying in front of you how grateful I am to uh, Patty Cosgrove and the entire uh, Collision team for coming to Toronto, for choosing Toronto, um, and for doing such a great job uh, putting the conference together. Uh, In my remarks that I've made this week at various points in time, I've tried to emphasize without being in any way complacent or or critical of anybody else that um, something we're trying to do here that is very important to us, and you heard the Prime Minister talk about it, you've heard me talk about it, and others perhaps, is to make sure that we continue to work very hard and Collision gives us an opportunity to see where we're doing well and sometimes where we're not at building a very inclusive tech ecosystem here as part of our overall goal. I mean, this is the most diverse city in the world. That's a fact that's been verified by many, whether it's the BBC or a host of others. What we haven't yet achieved, we're trying to, but I'm not sure we have, is being the most inclusive city in the world. And that's very important to us and it's important to extend through to the tech sector. We have tried very hard here because of Uh, the blessing that is the diversity of Toronto to build a place that is turning away from the polarization and the division uh, that is happening elsewhere and to make sure that we do what I think this conference is all about if you look at who the people are that are represented across this huge floor. Um, it, is, uh, it is evidence of the fact that we're going to move forward as a society and as a sector, the tech ecosystem, through collaboration, and I think that's what this conference is really all about, is a broad scale, global uh, collaboration, and we're trying to do that here at home as well, and we've tried to sort of convey that message about that being what I think the Prime Minister said was in the Canadian uh, DNA.
5: I'm Bose Mongo, and I'm um, the founder and CEO of uh, Beacon Intelligence.
0: Beacon Intelligence. Yes. Tell me a little bit about
5: what that does. So, Beacon Intelligence, we're developing artificial intelligence that predicts and optimizes performance and progress in construction sites. So, in simpler terms, we're trying to give higher visibility of how things are performing on the ground, you know, and where, and if a problem exists, what should we do and how. So we're trying to bring that visibility to decision makers, to stakeholders, to clients and so forth.
0: Okay. And so what do you see as some of the, um, you've been here, you've been talking to people. In Canada, obviously it's becoming an innovation hub, Toronto specifically. How has it helped you, but also what are the barriers you're facing as a young entrepreneur?
5: So I think um, Canada's been incredibly helpful. For instance, uh, the federal government has a few um, funding agencies, IRAP, uh, NRC, and a number that are probably disseminated through um, provincial programs. The biggest help for me, I suppose, as a minority, is that um, whilst being very competitive, some environments can be a little bit slower in terms of uh, getting access to funding, getting the right support networks. You know, Canada is a pretty big country, so when you're in Atlantic Canada, there are some startup accelerators and incubators. But what I found fascinating yesterday, Sarah, was that um, the CEO of Mars, he was talking about the fact that when you're working with certain uh, incubators and accelerators, make sure that they have. Uh, domain expertise they have skin in the game you know they've started a few companies and so forth so that was really illuminating you know and he talked about um, do they have the right access to corporate machinery that can take you to where you want to go are they invested in you seeing you grow as you evolve from pre-revenue pre-seed to seed to series a and so forth so you know having the right contacts and the right networks can be really, really insightful. So that's one of the challenges, but it's mostly something that you experience um, depending on what province you're in, because everything is very regionalized. So what I've learned so far from invest, from startup founders who are basically in uh, Nova Scotia to as far out as uh, BC, is they all have very different challenges. So learning about how they've been course correcting and navigating those waters has been so insightful.
0: That's fascinating. You know? So. The, um, we were talking about, about yesterday about the diversity element, you know, in a, in a conference like this um, there is the stereotype that it's the white guy in a hoodie and, you know, in his basement doing True. gaming or whatever. True. Um, how have you seen that change and uh, where do you think there's still work to be done, clearly?
5: There is. Sarah, just yesterday we were having a conversation about the fact that it's so mm-hmm. difficult to find female founders. You know, and I come from a family where I've got three sisters and my sisters are, you know, I'm, I've been encouraging them to get into entrepreneurship. And I had promised you that I was gonna try and find some female co-founders, co-found- and I couldn't. And then also from a minority's perspective, particularly because I'm a black individual, so there are a few of them here, but it's great to see that people don't see color, they take an interest in the work that you're doing, and you know, they just wanna ask questions and learn from you. So no one, they, they know, um, there's no stigma around that or anything of that sort. So, so it's been really great to have this event here in Toronto, which is just a melting point or part of you know, cultures, diversity. It's rich, you know, and just swimming in these waters have been, it's been like really exciting for the last three days.
0: Well, thank you so much, Beau.
5: Thank you so much,
6: Sarah and Olivia. So I'm Gary Davis. I'm Director of Business Solutions, Data and Analytics at Investment Canada.
0: So tell me a little bit about Invest in Canada and what your role is here at Collision.
6: So Invest in Canada is a new federal government organization. We're about 14, 15 months old now, and we've basically been created to promote Canadian uh, industry worldwide. So our role is to go out to the world and tell everybody how great Canada is um, as a place to come and invest, as a place to do business and how um, successful our ecosystem can be. Uh, if they come and if they want to, you know, be in this space and and grow. So we've got three parts of our organization in terms of our mandate. Um, First part is uh, marketing and branding. So this part of it is essentially focused for us on overseas marketing to tell the world about what Canada is and what's on offer. And in doing so, our main focus is on foreign direct investment—that is, bringing in big companies from overseas uh, to actually make investments and make uh, their growth plans in Canada. In doing so, though, we will influence the whole uh, perspective of Canada for a whole number of different reasons, and that will also be for export and for smaller uh, investments as well.
0: How do you make how do you make Canada sound attractive? And also, like, what are the elements that makes Canada a really good place
6: to invest? So as far as tech, um, Canada actually has a number of things going for it right now. And we're in a really good position, I think, to go out to the world and say, you know, like, we're probably your number one place to come. Now there's a number of aspects to that. So first of all, talent. Uh, Canada really does have the best uh, education right. uh, attainment levels of any uh, country uh, in the OECD. So we're there and we can tell companies that if they come here, they can find the staff that they need and the talent that they need to actually be uh, successful. The other part of that is as well the salaries. So compared to the States, compared to Silicon Valley for example, the tech sector there, uh, you can find equivalent, if not better talent in Canada at much lower cost because the quality of life here is a lot higher, the cost of living is tend to be lower. So, you know, people, coming up graduates they want to find a nice place to live they want a good lifestyle and they want interesting work so the, what's happening is the talent is actually equating all these things together and coming up with a decision that we want to stay in Canada and Canada's a great place companies are seeing that and now companies are gravitating towards Canada as a great place to start their business and to actually recruit these people
0: does it help too? I mean we were hearing um, uh, John Tory speak the mayor speak yesterday about how Toronto specifically but Canada is a very diverse place right so um, and I don't know that that's on the priority of every or, or organization or company but that's a component too, right? the diversity element that Yeah.
6: so um, in terms of diversity Canada has a lot going for it obviously global skill strategy is a major component of that uh, the fact that Canada has a very I think flexible and optimistic view of its um, visa program to actually bring in talent, young talent, get them through Canadian universities and actually keep them here in Canada so that they progress their career here in Canada as a talented and beneficial part of society while adding that element of diversity. So these elements come together and I think that's a really strong component of the Canadian story.
0: Because, I, yeah, I was thinking, too, because, I mean, so, so much of our story has been that entrepreneurs grow up here, they, you know, that we've got great R&D, um, and then they leave. And because there's money and there's opportunities elsewhere. And I I guess, too, for part of your organization, it's it's keeping the talent in in Canada. I mean, some would argue, um, you know, oh, bringing big companies like Amazon or Google into Canada you know that there was controversy around around that too but it, at least it keeps the talent here
6: well that's the thing about ecosystems and by building richer ecosystems uh, we actually managed to create a much more enticing and attractive environment for Canadian graduates to stay because they see opportunities for themselves, not just in one or two companies, but in an entire ecosystem in a city. And to be part of that, they can then maneuver their career in different directions, learn different skills, but within the same city. And so by attracting foreign direct investment from tech companies, by getting them to come here to set up their research and design, to set up their development, uh, essentially what we're doing is helping build a stronger ecosystem to keep that talent here once the word gets out internationally and then we start attracting the international uh graduates into canada to again further increase um the i think the value proposition that canada has to offer
3: that's great thank you so much for your time
6: That's a pleasure thank you very much
3: Uh, i am resa spiritu i'm the director of partnerships for the center for social innovation so tell me a little bit about what you do at the center for social innovation Uh, so the center for social innovation uh we inspire, catalyze, and support social innovators and entrepreneurs. Uh, within Toronto we're very commonly known as a co-working space, uh, but we have lots of free programming for people who are our members and part of our community. Uh, we have accelerator programs in uh, climate solutions, we have like free peer-to-peer networks, um, we also have an online community membership so Uh, you can actually connect with people across our nation, across Canada.
0: And this is an interesting component here, because I was talking to someone the other day about how we need to sort of expand our definition of entrepreneurship, right? It's not just tech entrepreneurship. We so often sort of think they're synonymous. So in in what ways do you guys try to, I don't know, speak to that or inspire, like you say, social innovation? Do, Do we even really understand what that... Do people really know what that is?
3: (laughs) That's funny. Everybody's like wanting to define what social innovation is. I mean, like just innovation of itself is, you know, just taking either like, you know, a new idea and an old idea and trying to um, figure a way to use it to tackle a challenge you know um, when you tack on i guess the word social uh, it just adds another lens that you want to be able to put people in planet first when you're thinking of these like new innovations so uh, for social entrepreneurship uh, a lot of our entrepreneurs that we've worked with in our space are tackling challenges like one is this group called mummy monitor uh, so they are or they know that um, women of color are actually uh, less likely to get the proper healthcare that they need when they're pregnant. So uh, they created an app to help connect um, these women to healthcare providers to ensure that they're getting the proper care. So they're kind of like addressing um, a major social issue, um, and they've found a solution. And so that is what we would call like That's a social innovation, and she is leading a social enterprise.
0: Right. And they might be using technology to do it, but it's not necessarily a tech company right yeah um so what do you think about we were just hearing um john tory speak yesterday about sort of the importance of having well like the, the how it's kind of amazing that, that this conference is happening in canada and that it'll be happening over the next three years here so yeah is it, is it exciting for your the people you support uh and what is toronto and canada turning into but are there still hurdles that you you see your your facing
3: um yeah well i guess like in some cases like when people like when you tack on like social uh to enterprise it's uh i don't know it's like people don't think that it's like i don't want to say as important but uh i like for our entrepreneurs sometimes it is harder for them to connect with like venture capitalists to be interested in their idea but it's not like their idea isn't valid or a good one um maybe it might not make a lot of money to begin with but you know, if it's addressing a challenge that is something that people have to deal with all across the world, I mean, like, I think that if you were able to scale some of these products, that, you know, a VC would be able to make make funding. Um, for CSI at this conference, so I spoke yesterday at the Ecosystem Summit, and it was just great to hear from other, uh, like, Accelerator programs around the world, like what they're doing, how they're dealing, that we share very common challenges. Uh, but I'm here uh, as a representative of CSI because we really want to infuse more social innovation, so like that thinking uh, uh, into this conference. And so, you know, I, I'm here today looking at what does 2020 CSI at Collision look like and how can we infuse more social innovation and bring our entrepreneurs and put them on an island with all these other entrepreneurs and see what they can do and see who they can meet. So.
0: Um, in in terms, we we're chatting a little bit off air about the diversity element, and, and just that it's clearly still an issue at many of these conferences. Uh,
3: do you see progress being made? Well, I. Uh, For progress, that has to start internally. So for CSI and for our acceleration programs, we are extremely mindful of the people that we bring on board. And, you know, we put an ideal lens, inclusivity, diversity, equity, accessibility uh, lens and and reconciliation lens, uh, you know, on the people that we want to be working with. Um, And that very much has to do with the values that we also set within our organization. So if you want to see progress, um, you know, uh, and more of more diversity, uh, like and all that. Then I think that has to start with, you know, who are we bringing in, and it, it, like, is it actually a, a diverse representation of what is actually out there?
0: Yes. Thank you. Thank you for chatting with us. Yeah, no problem.
7: And Peter Evans, CEO and co-founder of Expert File.
0: So, so tell me a little bit about Expert File. What is it? How did it come about?
7: You know, in in working with so many. CEOs and marketing organizations coming from agency and having been a CMO, Chief Marketing Officer, really saw the need to have a platform that enabled organizations to show their smarts and really showcase the talents of their people in a way that could actually drive the business forward in terms of generating sales leads, helping generate speaking opportunities on the podium and media source opportunities with the media. Um, One of the big issues we see is organizations uh, aren't very good at, at getting all the content together for their talented experts. And so, you know, our tagline is show your smarts. It's the notion of bringing all of that content together in a SaaS based software solution that enables you to integrate that content into beautiful, intuitive, mobile rich profiles that go into the website. And once your website's working properly, we because you built it in a cloud-based software solution, you're actually able to access, uh, or we're able to ship that uh, data to other places like the Associated Press. So we've actually got experts that have built out now on over 30,000 unique topics. So now newsrooms, 15,000 newsrooms can search for experts straight from the platforms that they use every day, such as Associated Press Newsroom. Uh, through our partnership with the Associated Press that makes it possible. So journalists want to know that they can go to a trusted source immediately and access that expert and also get a message into the media relations department immediately. So that's one of the solutions we're doing. The other one is in the area of sales. I'm most excited about some of the new um, areas that we're into now, which is actually using experts to create what we call expert qualified leads. We've heard about SQL, Sales Qualified Leads, which is a customer that we've qualified as a potential prospect to buy our product or service. But if you put an expert on the first call as opposed to a salesperson with a prospect, you actually have a richer conversation. Uh, IBM's experimented with this recently and they have an expert sales program where you can get to a qualified expert on the first call and they're getting 400% higher conversion on that kind of a program so we're really excited about deploying experts for a whole variety of of jobs to be done
0: i i'm I'm interested specifically in the journalistic side of it as coming from that background i mean it's always such a a nuisance or or sometimes a a real slug to go find people that are experts in a certain area so that's i think that's a really Um, fascinating element. Did you have a background in journalism? How did you come up with this idea? Well, my
7: journalism background, it's kind of funny, I say this tongue-in-cheek, but my very first job was in grade five for the Detroit Free Press. And I lived in Windsor at the time, and I I actually sold paper routes uh, door-to-door, and I built out paper routes for the Sunday edition of the Detroit Free Press. So my very first job was working for a newspaper. And it was probably... Five pounds. The Sunday edition of the Detroit Free Press at the time. I also was the editor of my high school newspaper. Oh, uh, wow. Again, and, and and you know, so I've I've always had a soft spot for journalism. Thought I would go that route. Ended up doing an MBA and going into software. Uh, so, and that's a longer story. But yeah. so I think what gets me up in the morning is the ability to help journalism right. with one of the hardest jobs, which is actually finding trusted sources.
0: Right. It also prevents something as a Chase producer that I face, right, where it's um, a, a silo of people, uh, usually white men, who yeah. are are quoted. Yeah. So it gives, it gives a, broadens the, the pool of choices. That's that a you big
7: can, issue. You know. And we, we make that joke quite often. Uh, you know, a lot of 50-something white men are going to have their hands up before a lot of other much more qualified experts. I've spoken with some very prominent journalists. I, I won't quote their name, but they've they've confided in me that it's one of the biggest challenges in the newsroom is to get women to more assertively go on camera. And some of the excuses that are used are are really would surprise you. So we have to do a better job of, yeah. of being more inclusive, encouraging diversity. We've got a number of programs that we've been doing, you know, behind the scenes to encourage that and to try to get the mix. The right way, and it's really important because it there's there's kind of a new era that we're seeing now where um, you know self-proclaimed experts can publish and get online, and and so we we think there's you know diversity is a good thing, but at the same time we have to temper that with uh, making sure that we are are going with the right experts as journalists, right, in an era of fake news um, and alternative Mm -hmm. facts as we call them. It's 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 a real issue. It's a huge issue. We're trying to counter that.
0: Last question. Um, Sure. What does uh, Toronto provide? You're you're based out of Toronto. What is, uh, how has this environment shaped your company? I mean, what has it given to you in terms of being an entrepreneur?
7: Well, if I told you I didn't have an opinion on that, you probably wouldn't find me believable because I've been around a while. You know, I've, I've really been in the tech scene for some time and really enjoyed the ride. But I think what Toronto's done is shown leadership at all levels of government, federal provincial, for many years we've been through different budgetary ups and downs and we, we went through the recession of 2008 when money wasn't being lent to anybody and you know it wasn't easy uh, with that vantage point being downtown in Toronto trying to get that done. but as I as I really see how Toronto is flourishing, other factor advantages are coming together for Toronto the diversity, the way we celebrate talent, the way we celebrate, Uh, you know, a more open immigration system, uh, you know, favorable exchange rates, good research and development programs and a commitment to a university system are going to be important factors going forward and that we're gonna need to sustain. But Toronto's becoming really cool. Cool factor, X factor is very important. We didn't have that before and I think as Canadians, we always needed that validation. I've taken entrepreneurs to the valley, taken them to New York, you know, I've, I, I, you know, I've done a lot of those, those trips in the past and I, I've really seen a, a fundamental change in the way that people globally are viewing Toronto. Now, 85% of our revenue is, is, is really originating outside of Canada and fundamentally any software uh, CEO like myself is reliant on exports and we're good for the country. And so to the degree that we can all pitch in and build the Canadian brand and it's seen as, as a very cuddly brand and we're seen as humble, we're seen as, as yet aggressive and talented and very understated. It, all of those qualities are going to hold you in good stead in the future.
2: Well thank you very much, Peter.
7: Thank so you so much.
2: Peter. Hi, my name is Shelley Fraser. I'm with Lixar IT. I'm a director of marketing communications with the company. Uh, started the company about 20 years ago with two other folks, and uh, I'm proud to be at Collision had an opportunity yesterday to kind of walk through the startup area and talk with the folks that uh, are taking the steps to start that path and you could tell that they were very appreciative of the conversation that there was this hope that something possible could happen and being an entrepreneur and going for it. Well that's an interesting place to start because
0: You've been in those shoes, right? You were there a little while ago talking to, um, you know, investors. And uh, so what has changed about the landscape today than it was, you know, 20 years ago when you started Lipsar?
2: I think the first thing that I would reference, and I don't know if it's just because we had a different approach, but we started with sweat equity. So we've never actually had BC kind of helping us along, which is very unusual, especially at Collision, because I see... You know, this, this fusion of folks that are coming together that dream about the possible and I love it. I love that energy. I kind of wish that that was available when we started the company, but it wasn't. Um, but on the other hand, there's this can-do attitude where it didn't matter what challenge was coming the way. We'd find a solution for it. We work really, really hard and had a lot of craft dinner in those early days to make yes. it work. Uh, but you know what? no regrets that's part of the whole process of entrepreneurial spirit you see the possible and sometimes other people don't see it and then hopefully you have a couple of lucky breaks along the way and then eventually you'll discover a couple of programs in our case uh, we worked with Halifax to have a little bit of um, talent support so they opened the doors for some folks from like Britain and different parts of the world to come in uh, and that was really really appreciated for us so from a ecosystem of our own company, we're kind of, we're very inclusive. We're very open. We want people to come and work for us because they want to come and work for us. And it doesn't matter where you're from. It's like, do you love your job? Do you love tech? Do you love Canada? Come on in. And because of that diversity and that attitude, we're, I don't want to say we're progressive, but I think that we really represent what Canada is.
0: Was there ever a temptation for you to say, let's just go to United States, let's just go to the US, right? Like, let's just, because that happens a lot, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's also a different time, so 20 years ago is a right. different time, and I think maybe for us it was a little bit of brute force and ignorance, You call it for what it was, but we we're really, really willing to work hard and to be open to the sacrifice of what it took to, to start a business. It's not easy. Anybody who says starting a business is easy, it's, it's not. But if you believe in your goal, it's worth every step. And you have purpose when you get up, you see the art of the possible, you want to make a difference. I feel like there's a lot of meaning that you get from just trying to fulfill the dream that you have. With technology, I think the biggest change is the speed. So right now, we have a lot of acceleration. Things are changing faster than they ever have in the history of technology. So how do you play in that space? What what platform are you bringing? Are you using data to gain insights? What is your goal? So I think more than anything, people really have to understand how the industry itself is changing and how the product or service they want to offer complements or fits a gap.
8: Matt Cohen, founder and managing partner of Ripple Ventures.
0: Okay, so what are you doing here as a, a, a venture capitalist? Like, What is your role at this conference?
8: really at this conference because we're a first time fund and we've been investing in early stage companies our goal is to really network with other vcs mostly from around the world and in the u.s specifically to get them on our radar or to get us on their radar to look at some of our companies uh, and to look at us as operating partners uh, that can feed them deal flow from the companies that we've invested in
0: so it's I have this perception about venture capitalists, right? They're just made of money, <laughs> <laughs> right? Tell me what it's, it's not just about money. It's about resources. It's about support, guidance, advice, right? Is that?
8: Um, yeah, like that would be the original kind of creation of venture capital. You know, people with a lot of disposable income taking bets on, you know, next space flight missions and things like that. But, you know, a lot of the newer VC funds are coming up from former entrepreneurs themselves who want to give back to the ecosystem. You know, the thing about entrepreneurialism and startups is it's a, a cycle. There's like, you know, people be, are founders, then they become funders and then the funders go back to becoming founders. And this is nice cycle of sort of money coming and going in and out of it. That's really nice. You know, for me personally, I was somebody who came from traditional finance banking, wanted to get involved in early stage technology. So I helped start a company back in 2012 and that ended up working out really well and we sold that company which was called Turnstile, to Yelp. And so after that company was sold, I decided to give back some of that capital I made into a bunch of early stage companies because I really enjoyed that experience. And sure enough, I saw the small investments I was making grow into more and more of a you know, business and I saw that ripple happening and that's why I decided to call my fund Ripple Ventures because the ripple effect of those small investments started to grow. And that's why you know what we're doing is more operational. So what you said was it's capital, it's advisory, okay. things like that. We actually have our own incubator space okay. where we bring our companies in and we work with them every day, not just every quarter. And we give them real hands-on operating support. So we help them with recruiting, with finance, budgeting, HR, PR, uh, product management, everything.
0: Well, it's interesting you say that because you and your focus, your company fo- focuses on early stage right um and i i have spoken to a lot of entrepreneurs about the struggles they face in those early days right and a lot of it is budgeting a lot of it is it's a it's a first for so many for sure so as i guess you've seen it on both sides right you know the struggles uh and i was going to say well you know why focus on that that uh phase but it seems like that's purposeful
8: for you? Yeah, well that's what we know, is early stage companies getting to the next level. That's where we can have the most impact. You know, when a company gets to Series A and they're raising five, 10 million or more, they typically have a management team in place, they have a culture built out, they have a way that they want to see the company go, where we can actually pivot the company to where we think they should be, you know, skate to where the puck is going, because we've seen it happening so many times before, you know, pattern recognition is very common in venture and in startups. And what we're trying to do is shorten the time period from, you know, idea to product and sales very tight so that they can get to that series A really quickly. So the incubator we have for our portfolio companies is a place where you can come with, you know, five, six employees and grow to 20. In a very short period of time, because we're giving you all the resources we have at our disposal. You know, when we started TurnSol, I wish we had a lot of these things to get to that level faster. It took us two and a half years when we probably should have done it in six months.
0: What are you, obviously, you're Canadian-based. Yep, Toronto-based. Toronto-based. But what are still some of the challenges, the big challenges out there?
8: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I used to live in New York for a bunch of years working on Wall Street. I used to live in Boston. I've seen the way U.S. entrepreneurs and investors think and move. And I think what Toronto has to do really is start to level up faster when it comes to recruiting really strong executive talent. You know, our ecosystem in startups is still very separate from traditional corporates. You know, we don't have a lot of people jumping from Bay Street to Main Street, you know, Silicon Alley, if you will, and and we but we have that in the US, right? You have people leaving the top Fortune 500 companies and joining Series B or C startups uh, because they see that they can have a huge impact. And so we need to level up our executives because our companies are being sold very early to big U.S. companies for, you know, good numbers, 50, 100 million, but if we were just kind of put the right team in place to level them up every time we see the next hurdle, we may get them to a billion dollars or more in the next couple of years.
1: I'm Henry Clank. I'm the director of business development for Wave Analytics.
8: I'm Jeffrey Clank. I'm the
3: lead developer at Wave Analytics.
0: Oh my God. Okay. So you guys, we gotta we got to say it, so you are the youngest we think the youngest yes. people at this conference. Yes. Yeah. How old are you guys?
1: So I'm 16 years old. I'm grade 10,
0: and I'm 14, and I'm in grade 8. Um, and, and tell me about Wave Analytics.
1: So what we've done is we've created a system that uses AI in a BCI headset to accurately identify the different emotional states of the user.
0: Okay, yes. wow. And how did you come up with
3: an idea like this? So I actually started with a science fair project. So at my school, science fair, I thought of this idea, and I created an early prototype, and I kept on moving on. So I went right up to Canada Wide Science Fair, and I had a prototype that actually worked. And then after that, we decided to keep continuing. And I brought my brother in, and uh, we built this kind of Okay. Company.
0: Very cool. Yes. And And how do, have you gotten interest? What is the next steps for this, for this big project?
1: So the next steps are just getting funding in order to build the app in real time. So right now there's some formatting issues and the app works accurately, but it's not quite in real time yet. Right. So it would be getting in real time, getting our patent and all that kind of stuff.
0: Did you guys always want to be entrepreneurs?
1: Uh, I've always been interested in entrepreneurship. I'm also just interested in business in general. And I know that, yeah, Jeff? And this
3: is kind of perfect because I'm really into the tech side, right? right. So having him help me with uh, building websites, looking at those statements and helping set our company's kind of like um, culture, that really yeah. helps, yeah.
0: Is it cool to be in a, in a conference like this looking around and seeing so many different companies and people who have made them, you know, who've made it yeah. successfully?
1: It's incredible just seeing, it's very uh, inspiring too, just seeing all the success stories and everyone who's kind of in it right now and going through the same process that we're going through.
0: What about you, Jeffrey? It's super inspiring seeing all these projects that are really out there, yeah, Yeah, it's really cool. And what are the benefits you think of being in a place like Toronto, um, this kind of ecosystem here in Canada?
1: So what's really nice about being in Toronto is that there's so much innovation and It's what allowed us to come to this fair, right? Um, In our specific community, there's been a lot of people that have helped us through this process with testing, our developments, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, Toronto just being such a nice, innovative culture does really help. Fast, safe,
0: and reliable. Interact transfer is one of the best ways to send, request, and receive money. In fact, Canadians use the service to complete 371 million transactions in 2018. That's nearly 11 times the population of Canada. Learn more at newsroom.interact.ca.